From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Monday, August, what is today, Ryan? The 6th? It is. It is. It's the 6th. It's the start of PGA Championship week. Here on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. And to do that from the Golf News Net, we welcome in Ryan Ballinger. Uh Normally, Ryan, I talk about what's going on in golf, but I, I want to go a different direction this week because... This is a very unique situation. We are going to a golf course in Belle Reve that was supposed to host a World Golf Championship event in 2001. It was the week of 9-11. It did not occur. The event got canceled, and I don't think it's hosted anything since, and I don't think many golfers or golf fans know much about Belle Reve Country Club besides the fact that it's hosting the PGA Championship this week. So... I want to start with the golf course. What have you, as you've done your prep work and your research, learned about it? What should fans know? What should we expect? Is this a bomber's paradise? Is this a, a second-shot golf course? What are we looking at here? Well, to take it back 10 years ago was the last time anyone had probably seen Bell Reeve on national television. That's when it hosted the BMW Championship on the PGA Tour that year in the playoffs. That was the year when... Uh, Camilla Vajagas and BJ Singh basically split the four tournaments and BJ won his FedEx Cup. Mm. So that's the last time anyone's seen it. So 10 years ago, that leaderboard at the top, other than Camillo, had the likes of Anthony Kim, Jim Furyk, <laughs> uh, DJ Trahan on top of the leaderboard. <laughs> Those guys, other than Jim Furyk, aren't playing. So most of the people in this field have never seen Bell Reef competitively. And if they have, it's changed a little but not much in the intervening 10 years. So they've added some length to it from 1992 which was the last time it hosted the PGA Championship. That was when Nick Price won his first major and he made that 105 foot putt I think on the 16th screen to, to kind of lock it all up. And this golf course is going to remind you a lot I think of three places but definitely two. It's going to remind you of Firestone last week because that south course was massively redone by Robert Trent Jones Sr. and this is an RTJ Sr. original. So there are a lot of similar characteristics. It's going to remind you a little bit of Atlanta Athletic Club because Reese Jones redid a lot of that golf course before the 2011 PGA Championship and he redid this golf course about 12 years ago and so it has a lot of the same Reese instincts that are on a lot of his golf courses. And I think it'll remind people a little bit of getting a little bit more recent in major championship memory of Baltusrol because Reese Jones came in and redid a lot of that golf course too before it hosted the 2016 PGA Championship. So the bunkering's going to feel very similar. Uh, a lot of the golf holes feel similar between those courses. Obviously, we know Firestone's pretty straight up and down the whole way. But there are some holes that curve, and you get some of that at Bell Reeve. There are a lot of places on the golf course where the driving area is pinched at that 290, 300, 310-yard range. So this is probably going to be a golf course where a lot of players feel like they can get around with three wood or even less uh, if it doesn't rain. If it does rain, then that'll change some things, of course. But if it doesn't rain anything more than your pop-up, Midwest summer thunderstorm, I think you'll see a lot of guys try to get around 
with three wood and two iron as best they can to avoid a lot of the bunkering that comes into play. These, these greens are huge. They average about 10,000 square feet, which is some of the biggest greens you're going to find in championship golf. So there are a lot of different places to put hole locations. There are kind of quadrants of every, quadrants or thirds of every green where there's one hard one or two hard ones and then one or two easy ones. So the PGA of America, depending on how they choose to set up the golf course, can make it as, kind of as hard or as easy as they want. The winning score, I think, can be anywhere from eight under par to 14 under par, kind of depending on who, what the weather conditions are, who plays well, and what the PGA of America ultimately decides to do. So it, I, I kind of got a bad feeling saying that ahead of it, it's not going to be the most exciting championship venue you've ever seen. It's, that's not what Bell Reeve is. But it's quality as a championship test, and it should reward guys who put the ball in play first, but second, who can execute second shot to a lot of difficult pins knowing when to strike and when to avoid trying to be too aggressive. Um, what's interesting about the last thing you said there is that the only other thing I've heard about it until something else, which we'll get to in a second, was what Phil Mickelson said yesterday to um, to CBS's Amanda Balionis before she uh, uh, got him dancing, which got all the headlines, um, was that Phil was there earlier in the week and said that it's a golf course that rewards good golf and penalizes bad golf. So he thinks there's going to be a, a huge scoring disparity between guys who are really on who can go low and guys who are really off and, and can go high. And that, to me, Ryan, would seem like we would be more in that 14, 15, 16 under range, which the PGA of America doesn't mind. They don't care about score. And I've always respected Kerry Haig's setups and thought that he's done a really nice job with them. Um, now, Quail Hollow, I think they messed up a lot of Quail Hollow earlier in the week and and. and partly because of the redesign, partly because they were new greens, partly because of a lot of things. Um, I wouldn't think we'll have that issue this week, and I, and I think this will be a more and, and well-respected Kerry Haig setup where you can get some low numbers and that's okay, and as long as you penalize guys when they go awry, the golf fans will respect that. that that's my sense and what I, and what I took from what Phil said. I think that's reasonable. It seems like a lot of the green complexes are designed to either give you a really long putt if, you, if you're not precise. So maybe we could see a lot of three putts this week. I would expect that. And that if you miss greens, particularly on the wrong side, and that changes from hole to hole, but if you miss on the wrong side, then you find yourself either with a really nasty bunker shot probably longer than you would like it to be, especially because you're going to go cross-green and big complexes. So sand play is going to be huge for recovery purposes. Or you're going to wind up in like kind of a thick, nasty, rough side hill type lie that, would, that will not be a lot of fun. And then the other thing we have to consider is that the golf course seems kind of not the best shape. Yeah. There's been reports on the ground that the green complexes are a little rough around the edges, that they've had a difficult summer. And that's not unique to them. That's true across a lot of parts of the country. But that the green complexes maybe are not the most pure. So I don't know what Kerry Hague and his team will choose to do in response to that on some holes. 
the holes most affected. Maybe they'll keep pins away from those spots so to not anger players and not bring up uh, those complaints on television. But that that's something that's going to have to come up to, and, and we'll see over the course, I guess, the next few days, what shape the course is in. Does it get worse? Does it get better? Is it just what it is at this point? They're going to have to deal with it. But um, you, know, you got Ben Greens in a situation where you either get a ton of rain or no rain right now in St. Louis, uh, actually here in D.C. too, and Ben just doesn't take that very well. So it's subject to a lot of potential damage. Um, and if you look at uh, Joel, uh, sorry, Joel Beal from Golf Digest, who, um, who was on the ground, he took some very close-up pictures of those maintenance-related issues which you have spoken about. Um, so you can see for yourself, there's definitely... Uh, what his report is is that it looks visually worse than it actually is playing. We'll see what happens as more guys get there and more guys get to check it out. But that's certainly a storyline here if we have some issues right around the greens um, and, and guys trying to hit their chips and pitches and, and putts the way that they want. And uh, if there's one thing we know, Ryan, it's that guys uh, don't uh, like when... I've always felt that pl- that professionals don't mind when they hit a bad putt. They just don't like when a putt misses because of an imperfection not caused by them, and that's when they get, get grouchy. And that's why you see complaints about Poana and and all of that stuff. You know, when it's when it's not their fault that something bad happens on a putting green. So we'll see what happens. Um, we've had some interesting things happen in golf since we last spoke. We had um, a a open championship won by the hottest player in the game in Francesco Molinari uh, on a day when Tiger made a run and Rose made a run and um, and uh, Rory made a run. A fascinating final day at Carnoustie. We had Dustin Johnson do what Dustin Johnson does best, which is overpower a golf course at uh, Glen Abbey. We had Justin Thomas overpower a golf course like he can yesterday at Firestone and when we had Andrew Putnam um, uh, finally break through and get his first PGA Tour win a month or sorry two months after he was DJ'd by by Mr. Johnson overpowering Memphis um, for his first PGA Tour win Um, interesting little stretch of golf that we have had of those four events what's piqued your interest most the Open was, I mean, it was, again, the best major of the year. I know some people will probably malign it because the guy who won it wasn't Rory McIlroy or Justin Rose or Jordan Spieth or Tiger Woods, but it was the most entertaining major of the year. And I, at least in my view it was. I mean, the Masters was probably second, but it didn't get – it got close, but if Spieth had done it, it would have been the major of the year. Right. But nonetheless, but I still think the Open is the major of the year. And – I did think DJ's win was almost, I mean, I, I said going into the week, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's going to win this week just because he doesn't care when he fails. And <laughs> his failure at Carnoustie wasn't because he can't play. It was nothing to do with it. But his game plan was stupid. And so was John Roms. And the only guy who decided, or the only guy that did well, like uh, among the group of players that decided they were just going to hit driver all the time, was Rory, who just had a, a, an incredible weekend. And especially a great Sunday, to get himself within the conversation. So I think it was more than anything just a, 
kind of prove the point that he's still the, the best golfer in the world in his mind. And then he played pretty well at uh, Firestone. But I think Justin Thomas's win sets up so many interesting talking points for the future because he, again, wins three times in a year, uh, at least. He won yeah. five last year, so he still could do some more winning. He won two more from this point last year when he had three wins. So he could still you know, do some great things, particularly as defending champion. I think we kind of have couched him for who he is, that kind of like DJ where you can just bomb it wherever and hit high irons and wedges in the holes and uh, it'll stop, then you're going to win. You're going to do pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, unlike DJ, Justin hasn't quite figured out the nuances of firm and fast golf. But he, he's getting there. He's, he's working on it. He's younger than DJ by about a decade, so that's fine. Um, but I have a feeling that that he can evolve to become, um, he, can, he can become a guy that wins 30 times on the PGA Tour. And the, the talking point for me is, I think at this point, I believe Justin Thomas will have a better, longer career as a relevant top-tier player than Jordan Spieth will. Sir Nick said that yesterday. You know, Sir, uh, 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 sorry, Sir Nick did not say that, but Sir Nick said... And this got overshadowed because this is right before Justin Thomas started uh, 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 finding his uh, grandparent and crying and and uh, being so emotional. But but Sir Nick said, "Remember that was not that long ago that it was that Jordan speed uh, that 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 Justin Thomas was in Jordan's speech shadow. Now it's kind of reversed itself and." That, that leads right into my next point, which is I have never seen in a coverage window, like the Golf Channel window on Friday, a five-hour coverage window that included Tiger Woods, that included um, Jordan Spieth, that Jordan Spieth got less coverage time in. The season he is having is utterly atrocious. He can't get it in gear, except for one dazzling day at Augusta, uh, he doesn't seem confident. He seems frustrated. He's done a lot of practicing before and after rounds. Um, maybe atrocious is the wrong word because I, I think he does have a couple nice finishes. But it's really surprising, Ryan, how far Jordan Spieth has fallen. And I get that he had mono late last year and he didn't have his normal offseason. I frankly wonder if something else is going on here. Um, he hasn't fired anybody yet. He hasn't pulled a uh, Lydia Ko. He hasn't started, you know, yanking everybody out from under him. Um, but what's up with Jordan Spieth is a fascinating, fascinating thing to ponder because he has just not been himself at all this year except for one day. Uh, I would argue he really hasn't been himself the last two years. I mean, if you, yeah. if you look at the wins that he's put together... The, the Open Championship win, while, while brilliant, came out of nowhere, and it took the five greatest holes of major championship golf maybe you've ever seen in that situation to do it, to put away Matt Cooper. Yeah. Um, you know, the win at, at Travelers, okay, great. I mean, the shot of the, shot of the year, uh, a video we're going to see the rest of our freaking lives uh, with the, the bunker hole out. 
but it, it never felt like last year when Speed did anything that it was dominating. It was just, all right, well, you know, we, we won. I mean, and to your point, yeah. And, and, other people. and, and sorry to interrupt, Ryan, but to accentuate that traveler's point, if you watch that, and uh, for anybody out there who watched that, he was horrible on the back nine. He gave away a lead. That was the only reason why he ended up in a playoff with Daniel Berger. Yep. Was he yep. couldn't, he, I, I, I forget if it was his, his putting or his ball striking, but something was way off and he was barely hanging on. And, if it wasn't for the bunker shot, um, and if it wasn't for nearly holding it in regulation, getting that feel and basically duplicating it the same way um, in the playoff, he doesn't win that event. Daniel Berger does. Um, and the Pebble win was basically solid play start to finish, and he won that on Saturday. I mean, Sunday was a cakewalk. He won that on Saturday. He won that on Friday and Saturday, and Pebble's such a fluky event because of three golf courses, different weather conditions, all the varying stuff that can happen. Um, it's, it, but to, to your point, it really has been a while since Jordan's been Jordan. Um, and it's really, uh, it, it's, and look, I give him credit. He's engaged. He showed up at the Special Olympics. He got to walk in the Special Olympics opening ceremony. If you don't follow his mom on social media, the pictures of him and his whole family supporting the uh, the uh, cheerleaders, which his sister was a part of, Ellie, uh, uh, the whole Special Olympics cheerleading team that came out of the Dallas area. It's fantastic stuff. But on the golf course, he's just not been himself. And... You, you, you have to wonder, Ryan, as somebody who has a fast swing speed yourself, you can relate to professionals more than I can, he's got a weird swing. He's, he's got a kind of odd way that he goes about his ball striking. And you got to wonder, at some point, is that too inconsistent enough? It's been the putting this year, but it's also been the iron play. The iron play has not been there. And you have to wonder, at what point does he start wondering about his golf swing? And I'm curious about that. Uh, I, I had this not to, well, I guess it was secret. I don't know how many people I've told this secret take to. I, I know who I originally told it to, but I don't know who else I've told it to. But I'll reveal it anyway. Um, okay. At the 2016 Ryder Cup, we kind of had a house of people, house of media. We were talking one night. And I probably had an extra beer or two and uh, said, I think by this time, in two years, so the next Ryder Cup, Jordan Spieth will be out of the top 50 in the world. And everyone looked at me like I was a maniac, because I was. I was stupid. Yes. But the point was, I don't think he has the total skill set and technical side to have that kind of longevity. The chicken wing thing, I mean, other players have made it work, and he makes it work. His ball striking is generally pretty good, but... He's put so much pressure on his game in the last couple of years as his putting has trended toward negative strokes gained. And that, I mean, that just changes your, psycho your psychology about golf. If you can't make a putt, then you've got to stick it close. If you've got to stick it close, you've got to hit it far and straight. And anytime you don't do that, all of a sudden, all of those fears creep in. Um, I'm very curious where he will, where he will find himself at the end of the year because if you look at kind of his world ranking points right now. He's at the end of a cycle where he um, he doesn't have a lot of points 
left, you know, at the end of the cycle, but he's, he still loses some big ones. Uh, he loses about, before we get to the, you know, the Sony Open next year, he's going to lose somewhere in the area of 18 points. Um, you know, that's not going to drop him incredibly far really quickly, but he's got to replace all of those. Yeah. And so far this year, in terms of his, I mean, he's had three straight weeks, or three weeks out of the last five where he's literally earned zero world ranking points. That's not something Jordan Spieth does. Uh, but those can pile up, and he's not losing points. It's just a zero every week for 108 weeks, or 104 weeks. And so uh, I'm very curious what will happen to his world ranking at the end of this year as we go into next, because all of a sudden then he kind of falls into the territory where some big points are coming off the board. Um, so maybe he can fall in the top 50 and not too far from now, but that's only if he doesn't fix kind of his mental. I mean, he seems to get exasperated way more easily than he used to Yeah. by golf, and I'm sure there are lots of things in life that, I get way more exasperated than I used to about a lot of things, so I understand. But uh, I'm wondering if I'm wondering if it's all going to catch up to him at some point, unless he makes, like you said, some kind of change. I don't think he's walking away from Cameron McCormick anytime soon. They've just worked together for too long for that to happen. I mean, a decade, basically. Uh, maybe he'd make a change at Caddy, but Michael Greller seems like the only guy that can kind of talk him down out of stuff. So I, I feel like Team Speed has to be Team Speed at this point, and it's all on Jordan to figure out how to write the ship. And yet, and yet, and this is what's crazy about golf, here he is with a chance to achieve the career Grand Slam this week. And one week, when it comes together, one thing you find on the range, one little tip, one little piece of momentum, if he wins this week, everything we just talked about becomes irrelevant. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's crazy. In a hurry. That's crazy. He can, yeah, he can totally change the narrative. Any day, and that's what Travelers did for him last year. Totally changed the narrative of his 2017. And now one, one win this year, and especially if it's this week, totally changes the narrative of his 2018. Yeah. Yeah, Which is absolutely remarkable. We're talking to Ryan Bounds. obviously 100th PGA Championship from Bell Reef starts uh, this coming Thursday. Um, I want to, I try to talk about different things on different podcasts and different things with different people who I think have unique views on things. So we'll get to the conventional, who do you like this week in a second, but I want to talk Sergio. I host a, um, now a, a, a major event preview podcast with my two high school golf buddies. Um, and it's a very offbeat, very loose, very, not structured like our podcast is podcast that literally goes in a hundred dire- uh, different directions um, where I basically have like two co-hosts basically. It's not just my show basically, even though it still says teeing up with Jeremy Schelling. One of them is the biggest Sergio Garcia fan on the planet that I know of and basically said he has not cared about golf at all in 2018 or since he got married. He basically said, I'm a major champion. I'm great. I got married. I had a baby. I'm going to take the year off. Who cares? And here he finds himself now nowhere near the top. He's in the 130s, I believe, in the FedEx Cup. He hasn't contended in any major event in a while. Um, 
do, do you buy this theory that Sergio Garcia has just said, okay, I'll refocus in a couple of years and then we'll get back to it? Or do you think that this is just Sergio being Sergio and he's a very fluky player? Like, what do you read out of the Sergio Garcia narrative of the last 18 months? I'm sure there's probably some of that in there. I mean, he's happily married. He's got a, he's got a daughter. Uh, it only changes when all that stuff happens, and I'm sure a lot of people listening can empathize with that. And your priorities change. It, you Sometimes you got to shift your attention from trying to advance your career and making that next level in life or doing that next thing that you want to do to your house or hobby or whatever, and you replace that with making sure your baby drinks a bottle and sleeps through the night. And uh, those times, those minutes, they add up over time, and all of a sudden those six hours you could put into playing golf a day or prepping or practicing or whatever turn into four. And you kind of wonder what you did it all for in the first place, when you did those six hours in the first place. So I think part of it is life adjustment. Part of it is probably just the natural ebb and flow of Sergio Garcia. Uh, every few years, you kind of get a dud Sergio year where you're like, all right, well, I guess he's just not that interested in it right now. And uh, I think the only thing that would kind of keep him going through the, the motions of this is the Ryder Cup, that he wants to be a part of it. He wants to compete in that. But everything else is kind of, eh, whatever. So uh, I just kind of get the feeling he's going to he'll probably get a pick from Thomas Bjorn because he is one of the greatest Ryder Cup players ever. And... Then after that, we probably won't see him for a while, and we'll see if he feels rejuvenated in 2019 or not, but I kind of get the sense he just is not interested in golf this year. Yeah, it's um, it's fascinating. It really is fascinating how life can change uh, for, for so many people. Um, Ricky Fowler is, is a major short, um, or, or is, uh, sorry, he's, he's not just a major short, he has no majors. Um <laughs> But uh, I've always felt that the PGA is his best shot um, here in Augusta. Similar kind of setups, good, good, good ball striking, streaky putter. You got on a hot street, you can roll. Um, I have to pick a winner, and I, I see nothing against Dustin and Justin being up there by the end of the week. I think they'll find a way to make it work around that place, even if it's not a bomber's paradise. But I, I, I hope, if obviously not Tiger, and I think Tiger's still just too far off. He just can't put together 72 holes, and I don't think he's 100% physically right now. Um, and I think he's way too ambitious trying to play five and six weeks, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, I think that this could be Ricky Fowler's week, but ultimately I, I think it's Dustin and Justin. Where's your head at in terms of, who do you think will play well by the time Sunday comes around? I feel like it, this, we have kind of seen the cream rise to the top at this point now. There's just a group of 10 guys you really like almost every time out. And, and that's great for golf. I mean, that's fantastic to have all those names up there all the time. Dustin and Justin, yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. I like Rory's chances. Um, again, he does not play four rounds like Tiger does. He plays like three, usually. Uh, so... Maybe that's a, a little too optimistic of a view, but he's going to put himself up there. Tommy Fleetwood has been just a stud for the last couple of years. He's yeah. Getting a major. It's going to happen. It's uh, a good I point. I really believe that. Uh, Brooks Kepka is going to be up there. 
when he doesn't seem exhausted and seems interested in what he's doing and, and focused on it, he's really difficult to beat. And I, I truly figured he would win another PGA Championship before he won any other major again. So I would not be that shocked if he won a, a PGA Championship, especially considering he got close at Baltus Raw and we talked about a little bit earlier kind of how they seen similar golf courses uh, in, in a variety of ways. So I, I really like his chances. And I, I agree with you. I think Tiger seems gassed. He just seems tired. Like, it, it, it's a lot of golf for a 42-year-old guy to play that often. And he's starting to kind of catch up to the – and it's because, in part because he doesn't play much last year. But he's starting to look like Phil does by this time of the year, where Phil just seems totally disinterested in golf. He's just going out there and if he catches lightning in a bottle, that's all he's playing for at this point. I, I kind of feel like Tiger is a little more, more dry than that, obviously. He's looking to come back, win number 80, do a variety of different things that Phil just does not need to do. I mean, he won this year, so there's no streak to get rid of. But he does seem, to, Tiger does, just, if it's not, if he's not close, if he's not into it, when it goes sideways, he doesn't really seem that interested in salvaging it. It's like, all right, it's not going to happen. We'll, we'll save our energy for the next one. So if he gets out to a good start, all right, maybe. Maybe he can do it. But uh, if he doesn't, I don't expect him to fire in one of those old classic Tiger 68s from 72 that get him to the weekend. As a bunch of people said on Twitter, I think Tiger took that Switzerland vacation um, thinking he wasn't going to play Firestone. I think even though he had kept saying publicly, I, you know, I want to make it, I want to make it, I want to make it, um, I think deep down inside he had probably planned that, thinking he wasn't. And yep. then that makes more sense, because then you get the Bell Reeve more rested, and then you can do more prep work, because he's, he's got a, a prep problem here, which is he needs to actually grind these first three days. He can't, you know... If this if if this is next year at 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 uh, Bethpage where he's played a bunch of times, if this is, um, you know, if 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 this is last year at Quail Hollow, he could just look at the new holes and kind of just you know, m- you know, maneuver himself around for a couple of days and rest up. He can't. Um, Tiger, I think, is okay. F- health, I, I think Tiger's health is okay. I think his. Just trying to recover and trying to get himself just back situated um, is a, is a problem, and he needs to, he needs to get off to a good start because then I think adrenaline takes over, then momentum takes over, then I think he's okay, and then he can end up with some later tee times and have time to rest and 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 the whole nine yards. Um, and, and Tommy Fleetwood's a, 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 a fantastic mention, by the way. He is going to pick up one of these at some point. He is way too good and been way too consistent for too long not to pick up one of these things. Ryan Ballinger, Golf News Net, who ultimately wins the 100th PGA Championship? Uh, it's a guy whose name ends in Austin. Uh, I, I can't tell you whether it's <laughs> Austin or Justin or other Justin, but... Uh, that's, that's kind of who I've got it down to. So Justin and Justin are just so much better than everybody else right now. When they get on, they are pretty much unbeatable. And one of them is probably bound to play pretty well since both of them played well last week. Uh, I have a feeling Justin may have laid off a, a little off the throttle um, this week. Maybe not trying to go for you know three in a row seems kind of hard to do, but... Two out of three doesn't doesn't seem as crazy for Dustin Johnson, so I, I think this is a 
Let's work up and get number two. Um, one one last thing. Um, uh, uh, one last thing. If there's a PGA pro named Dustin or Justin, do you give them any chance? <laughs> Uh, I should probably look up, let that list up. I'd yeah, because I, 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 you said that, and I'm like, wait a second. You just gave, you know, Dustin, you know, uh, uh, Thompson or something, you know, some PGA pro out there. Because <laughs> R2 Zach Johnson's in, in, uh, uh, um, in this field, remember, <laughs> spelled the same way. We know better than to say a guy whose last name is Johnson. I don't know if I'd be better off with that, you know, saying Austin is okay. So look, I'm actually on the PGA of America's website right now. So there are Austins in the field. Austin Cook. Okay. Pretty well. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Justin Thomas, of course. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Justin Rose, and Justin Harding. Um, he is not a PGA club professional, though. So... I'll take my chances on Austin. Okay. I think, I, I think that could work out. All right. There you go. Ryan Ballinger, as always, thank you for coming on Teeing It Up. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. You got it. And thank you all for listening, by the way, to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. <laughs>